Well, hey, everybody, welcome to episode 116 of the Party Invite Show, Party Invite Podcast, if you're looking it up on uh, Spotify. Uh, my name is Tegan. I'm your host every week. I'm joined, as usual, by Vilos over here. That's on me. And Sovereign Sid. Hello. And the three of us here tonight are Party Invite, uh, but all of you, all of you uh, at home listening in the future or here in Twitch chat, hello. You're our community too. Uh, we have a wonderful community of people who can play and discuss video games uh, in a safe environment. You know, the internet is a scary place. And I don't, I mean, I'm laughing, but that's really true. Uh, so we are happy to have a lot of wonderful people in our community. Before the show, we were talking about uh, how easy it's been for people to find groups for Exoprimal. If you heard last week's show, that was the uh, Exoprimal community night was, was on Friday. Um, I don't think we have anything officially planned for this weekend, but if Exoprimal is uh, something you're interested in, whether you have Game Pass or you're... Well, actually, I didn't mean to get into this right now, but you should play on Game Pass because there's cross-party stuff. But uh, I just really want to remind people that our Discord is a great place to find uh, good teammates, at least people with positive attitudes for sure. If I'm in there, it's debatable, uh, the skill level, but but I will be in a good... I will have a good attitude. I can guarantee you that. Just give him a melee weapon of some sort. That's it. Just let me kick. Whatever. Really? Yeah. Just... <laughs> whatever is like the least conventional combat strategy, I'll take it. In fact, make it a double. Uh, so every week we give you a show in two parts. We have the uh, vodcast here. We're going to talk about what we've been playing. And the topic tonight is uh, what is our favorite video game controller of all time? So uh, if you want to let us know uh, in chat, please do that. You can also find all of our socials through our website at partyinvite.games. Uh, but after that, we'll have a game stream. I downloaded a game I had never heard of until last week. Uh, this game is called uh, Only Up, I think. Let, let me, yeah, Only Up. And it's one of those games where you just climb and it's really janky. And if you fall, if you make even one mistake, you just fall really, 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 really far. <laughs> So I thought that'd be a fun, stupid game to to stream for the first time tonight. So stick around for that. Uh, but let's kick things off with uh, Blissin Up, our favorite segment, or certainly my favorite segment, where we talk about something that made us smile this week. Uh, I didn't write anything here. Maybe I'll come up with something in a minute. But uh, Sav, you got... Tegan, you never smile. I mean, that's not... You, whenever I say you never, you never smile. You're not even a happy person like uh, well, at all. So. Some people tell me that I never shut my mouth. But, you know, it's rare that I hear that I never smile. Uh, you know... <laughs> But uh, you've got something on here. Uh, let's start with you. Uh, yeah. So today, uh, like literally today, like right before I got here so that we could start doing this, um, I went to go see Barbie, the new Barbie movie that came out today. Well, technically it comes out tomorrow, I guess. But whatever, I guess theaters are showing it earlier or something for some reason. I'm not really sure. But um, I went there. Well, you know, the release date was the 21st. But, you know, that's not even another. But it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, definitely not what I expected. Um, it was really existential. Which is something I expected of, like, you know, the director who is Greta Gertwig. Is that her name? That sounds Greta right. Gertwig? Okay. Um, but, like, it, it got a little bit political sometimes. But, I mean, when you're doing something with something like existentialism. Existent why is that word so hard for me to say? <laughs> existentialism. Nailed it. Um, it's kind of hard not to, you know? Yeah. Um, and it took some really weird turns that didn't, like, I mean, it's, it's Greta. So, you know, whatever. It's fine. Go see the movie. It's a lot of fun. Um, if uh, you do else, decide to go see, Greta, uh, direct again. You know, I was thinking about that earlier, and I can't remember the name, but I remember like seeing the movie, Lady Bird, and the newer version of Little Women. Oh yeah, let's see. Okay, like, okay, both those yeah, yeah. Sasha Ronan is like 
her key actress most of the time. What's her? Yeah, name I'm again? surprised she didn't even see Sharonin. Say her first name again. I always, I always, Sersha. This isn't a joke. I just always forget how to say her name because it's not. You can't. I cannot phonetically spell it. I, I mean, you know, it's it, it, the name itself is pronounced Sersha, but I mean, it still Sersha. comes down to variation. You know, depending on how she says her own name. You know, because I mean, the name is name. Yeah. Well, but like the original name is Sersha. Sersha. Okay. Well, it's yeah. the same name as my car. Don't you forget? Like, <laughs> my car is actually named after Sersha Ronan. So. <laughs> well, here we are. Fun fact. So, yeah. Listen up, everybody. Uh, <laughs> Well, that's cool. Uh, you know, it's funny to see Barbie uh, kind of like married culturally right now, not to Ken, but to uh, Oppenheimer. Everybody's jokes right now. It's the same as when Animal Crossing and uh, Doom, whichever one, Eternal maybe? Yeah, came out. Uh, Eternal, yeah. Yeah, so like all the memes are those like matched up together. I do get a good kick out of that. Um, a good juxtaposition. I mean, talk about two existential movies. I didn't think Barbie was going to be existential, but now that you're telling me, then it's even more appropriate <laughs> uh, that they would be they uh some theaters are running double features of those too so mm -hmm. yeah i think uh gosh which theater i just read about a theater that was doing that back to back they're doing oppenheimer first and then barbie which i heard is the quote-unquote correct order to watch that i don't know what determines that because i'm not going to go see oppenheimer i mean that's but... that's what i would do because even even if somehow oppenheimer's not heavy which maybe it's not because christopher nolan has covered some pretty crazy things you know and not made me walk away just feeling defeated you know but when I'd be done with that, I'd be like, okay, palate cleanser. I need uh, a snack, you know? What, what well, that movie is definitely full of snacks. Ooh, chow. Desserts. Everyone is hot. Except, I mean, Michael Sarah, but that goes without saying. So I mean, what can you do? Uh, well, wonderful. So that's Barbie. So, you, so big thumbs up, yeah? Sounds like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and I should go see uh, Little Mermaid, right? I meant to see that in theaters, but I think that ship has sailed for me. Um. Uh, you ain't support my girl, Hallie? Well, <laughs> oh gosh, I've, I've revealed myself. I've, I've let the cat out of the bag here. All right, well, we're moving Little Mermaid up to the top of the list. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about some, some more movie stuff uh, maybe during, you know, may, uh, later, because uh, I am interested. Um, but, Vilas, did you have anything that made you smile this week? Besides Absolutely nothing. The, the flooding, the, the microburst was just, you know... Um, exciting yeah <laughs> uh, bro i mean no i really really nothing well since, uh but... you know last week you talked about going to that k-pot place and i finally saw some of the photos that you shared man that looked pretty cool uh not to rehash that whole thing again but boy um yeah, we should. I'll find a link to those. Uh, actually, I think it's in Demo Duo's Discord. Uh, a link to those pictures because, damn, man, uh, that's the good stuff. Uh, and then I don't know what made me smile this week. I mean, you know, life's all right. Uh, I don't know. Uh, video games are cool. <laughs> uh, then with that, uh, that concludes Blissin' Up. Let's move on to what we've been playing. So we've got uh, some videos queued up. Uh, Sav, I'm going to have you go last as I make sure that um, your video is ready to go. Uh, but Vilas, do you want to kick it off? Uh, we, since I already talked about a little bit of Exoprimal, could you start with that? Unless you want to do the double feature and I put no. them in the wrong order, you know. Oh, no, it's fine. We'll, we can definitely start with Exoprimal because um, that's, the, that's the closest thing to what has made me smile this week. Bad. Um, Odie knows we had a hell of a good time. We've Played the game a little bit too much. Um, As you do. But <laughs> it has been a really great time. 
And, you know, coming from somebody that played 25 plus hours of three betas, it's still fun. <laughs> and Exoprimal is exactly what we knew it was going to be from the beta, but so far it is evolving. It's, um, it's fun to see people come into it with new perspectives, seeing how absolutely, like, stupid fresh players come in to the game. Mm-hmm. Oh um, my gosh, yeah. When you guys were beating that one team by a mile, <laughs> where you guys were almost on different maps, you were so far ahead. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the joke though, when I was watching Odysseus uh, stream with you and everyone else in chat, was that uh, when you guys loaded up the game again this time, you had to do the tutorial again, which was either the second or I think the third time you had to do it, depending on how many Fourth. times you've played. Fourth, good, good. Oh, what? So yeah, I'd, every time during the beta and during. The release that's too many times that's too many yeah. i don't yeah. know what the right number is but it's lower than that <laughs> can you not i mean i know you can like open up this like the the sub menu to like leave but can you actually click the button during the tutorial or does no. it actually no, it, it never would let you do it you there was nothing you could do to skip any of the tutorial and it was actually necessary because it has to count your progression anyway so um yeah <laughs> but at the end of the day um right now Really, the biggest issue with it is that people are are entering the game at different times. And so, obviously, we were there at the first hour. A lot of us played at least a couple games, maybe on our own, but most of us played a couple games at like 11 11 o'clock on the Thursday um, and and started progressing. And we realized over this time period that uh, when we try to party up, we, we eventually can party up, but... It does not allow us to unlock new um, new game types as our stories progress because it relies on apparently it's not even fully revealed by Capcom. It apparently relies on the story progress of the lowest level person in the lobby. That's tough. Uh, the whole lobby. You know, a lot of games are starting to do that now, where when you party up, it goes like by the lowest person, which but seems okay if you it... know it, right? But the ambiguity. Yeah. Like watching you guys figure that out was like this again because you've already played. We played during the beta question mark, uh, where we've already seen the stuff, and so it's like okay, well, you know, we have an expectation of the kinds of games we're gonna play. Maybe you have a certain favorite type or even a favorite suit that's not unlocked yet, stuff like that. Uh, but it just did not seem clear at all that those that how that progression was going to play out. Yeah, because the the cool thing was that the beta actually showed us most of the game and then when we started the actual release we were getting just basic like you're, you're seeing here um you're seeing a dominator uh, dominator fight me um this was one of the newer things that we didn't get to see a lot in the beta um as far as keeping these keeping these points um defending these particular points on the map but there are th- certain things like uh uh neo dinosaurs um Different neosaurs are uh, like mutated versions that explode, uh, very reminiscent of like a Left 4 Dead sort of situation. Um, different versions of mutated dinosaurs that have wild abilities and stuff, uh, those only come with certain progression. And if you decide to party up uh, with how matchmaking is right now, it's wildly diverse. Like we can have, we had like a level 70 or a couple level 70s 
a few level 50s, and then three people under level 10, including level 1s in separate games. Like, the matchmaking makes no sense right now. Good. Does matchmaking ever make sense? I mean, let's be honest. Does it ever? Halo 2 used to, but since then, I feel like matchmaking doesn't make sense. But uh, the balance just doesn't seem right there. Seems like something something is just a little bit off. Um, but the cool thing is that once we're loaded into the game, we actually know uh, we have an idea of what we're getting into by the load screen, by how long it takes for us to get to the giant Leviathan AI uh, talking down to us. Um, it's really funny. The longer the game takes to load, the more likely it is that you're going to play a special mission, which is hilarious. Oh, so, oh, so it's like the opposite yeah. of how it used to be. You know, like you boot up your PlayStation and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting and it works. You know, instead you're like, oh, it's taking a long time. They're really Mm -hmm. making it special for us. Mm -hmm. But this game is, the actual gameplay is so tight. Uh, A couple of the, a couple of the characters are a little bit broken. Not as, (laughs) (laughs) yes, Uh, not as broken as a lot of other hero shooters might have been at some point, like early in their lives. So I think the betas really did a, a whole lot of justice to this game uh, and allowed people to really really give Capcom some good good feedback. Um, at the same time, I honestly, if we're talking about things that are broken, really just matchmaking as far as you know, fitting <laughs> two or three level ones with a group of level 60s and 70s, like, come on. Yeah, so- uh, especially since that, that stops us from getting that story progress getting oh, better wait a minute so it, because it doesn't match you with people so it doesn't matter what you've unlocked if the enemy team hasn't unlocked it dude yeah that hurts wait with the enemy team too considering yeah that? it's the entire lobby Bruh. like we had a, we had a group of uh, a solid group of like people that were over level 30 on our side but there were a couple uh early levels on the other side and we still were only just getting basic missions well i hope you like data cube yeah which <laughs> at, at times so you know uh we got to have that we got to get that higher level matchmaking um and and i mean uh with the people we were playing with i mean odie's over 70 i'm at just about level 60 now uh, wow i have some catching up to do way higher than that yeah you have a lot of catching up yeah i haven't played since we played that one uh, last week yeah and so like there's there's just a, a a gap there um so you actually have to play with your party do whatever but when you're done you have to go into the story missions and unlock uh, the specific things you actually have to watch or watch or skip the cutscenes um for the story there's a, a whole the whole circle thing which we talked about last week i think um there's a whole circle thing of unlockables in the story they have to go through so you go through that and then play a couple of games by yourself in order for um the story progress to actually happen like wait we, we stopped playing last night and both Odie and i got to different boss uh boss raid missions because oh, you, we were not in a group anymore yeah you had mentioned that so well, why did you get special like uh would you have unlocked would, would you have been put in that level if you stayed together or you think you only saw that because you split we up and why would you not, we literally could not have played it together the only thing that could have worked is if everybody in the entire game was level 50, then we could have gotten the exact mission I played. If everybody was level 70 or so, 
well, then so, we could have gotten the mission that Odie played last so night. So if you honestly. go in solo, then the matchmaking is fine. But if you have a party, then it's more likely to match you against low-level enemies, right? Because why wouldn't you, why you, wouldn't you start... have unlocked that special one if you just kept playing? If you just played 10 more matches, you know, wouldn't there have been a chance of... There, there has been no chance of math mathematically, so yeah. Uh, but now, like... We when we do get games that have higher mission people or uh, higher level people in that mission, then yeah, we do get the better games. We get Neosaur games. Uh, we have had a couple of special ones. We had one that we'd never seen before last night. Um, that was it was a variant of a story mission that we played a billion times before, but it had uh, Neo versions of the flying dinosaurs and stuff um, in a particular game type that we hadn't seen. So that was really cool. Uh, but, if I don't know if this is the one you're talking about, but I remember you guys hearing in voice chat, uh, there was a mission where you, you weren't fighting against the sniper dinosaurs, which is a funny set of words to put together. Uh, and just being like, whoa, this is like a totally different style of gameplay when you're not just being sniped all the time and you don't have to counter snipe. Yeah. Yeah. It's, By the way, you just got riggedy wrecked. I watched this video a couple of <laughs> times and that big dinosaur just tore you up. You know, I struggle to believe this is even your gameplay because you're not playing Roadblock. Listen. Listen. <laughs> uh, that's officially my, my thing now, I guess. Um, but yeah, no, Barrage was really fun. Um, that was actually my first full game of playing Barrage. And uh, yeah, really a big fan. I was never a Junkrat main, but whew, Barrage life. damage. Yeah. yeah. Well, honestly, Barrage, I mean, as reminiscent as he is of Junkrat, like his, the way that he like is more area control than just like mindlessly lobbing things into nothingness and hoping to hit something. Um, I think it's pretty, I think he can differentiate himself in that regard. You know, it's not like you need to be a junk right main to like appreciate what Barrage brings to the table. True. Um, yeah. Um, outside of the, uh, outside of the story progress and, and matchmaking stuff though, the only real problem I have with the game is the point system because the point system is very oddly specific and I, it doesn't always make sense. But like in, in once in one side of things, it's it seems that you get more points for doing exactly what that hero type was meant to do, right? Oh, which I feel like Overwatch is kind of good at, but maybe still unbalanced. Yeah, um, there are plenty of times where you can just play however you want, even though that's not really how you should play in Overwatch. Yeah, and then kind of like escape unscathed. I mean, you do that all the time, Tegan. <laughs> You really make some like some fun, fun like really random plays, and then you're just like, okay, I'm out. And then like, it's fun playing with you, like especially if we're both supporting because we are just going crazy <laughs> together. Well, I like playing uh, Rogue Company a lot with you guys. So I've I've barely touched Exo Primal. I I did well. I should say that I haven't played it since its official release. But I I really like playing, you know, like Rogue Company and stuff with you guys because you both are very communicative, which I really like when I'm playing with uh with a team. And I like how much everybody's been talking in Exoprimal. Like, again, when I can hear everybody in Discord, like, that's so much more fun to me when everybody's doing call-outs or, like, reacting to some crazy thing that happened. And uh, Yeah, it's it's been a lot or of fun. Or in some cases, re-reacting and re-reacting until the end of time. Uh, <laughs> hey, hey, cool it now, cool it now. <laughs> the, um, but the, the point I was bringing up with the points thing, though, was the, the fact <laughs> that... Some characters, and especially just some uh, 
gameplay styles will never have the chance to get an MVP. Yeah. And that's almost literally never. And I'm looking at you, Sub. <laughs> what? What did I do? I can't help it that I'm superior to everyone all uh-huh. the time. Uh-huh. <laughs> all, only, like, literally 98% of the time you play, you get MVP. Like, oh if, we don't, if we don't win, that's when you don't get MVP. Like, <laughs> And, and hey, there was there was one time Benson got it with um, I, think, I think it was Barrage actually Barrage, yeah, yeah yeah and it, it's because of the specific points that they give for each character and Skywave I think they just don't expect people to play as so they're just like you know well, what, we'll give that extra bonus. Well, you yeah. mentioned Overwatch and it is like support on Overwatch where like if unless you're getting kills fat chance that you're gonna be on the board it's possible as a support. You know, you can do some crazy stuff, but for the most part, like if you're just doing your job of healing, slim chance that you're going to be MVP, you know, and uh, I think Overwatch is better than most games at that, at recognizing that. And actually Rogue Company is another one too. I think we've been making steps for the support players out there to get more recognition, but come on, we want those plays of the game too. We want MVP. Give us more points for doing the thing that everyone relies on, you know, there's so many times that, uh, the healers in the back behind everybody so people forget you know it's like uh actually i'm not going to go off on a tangent here because you you know how i'll do but yeah i do like that um it is at least rewarding people for playing the intended way because um the game is clearly meant for you to synergize in a certain way and i i do want to point out that a, a nice thing that this has that most games don't uh is you can have duplicates of the characters so just because one person is playing Roadblock, the cool Reinhardt tank with a huge shield, um, that doesn't mean that everyone else is locked out. And you can even uh, play a specific way because you have two and be like, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna do this one thing and you can do this other thing and we're both going to be happy. Uh, yeah, for sure. And I, I do think that we still need to do an all Roadblock game uh, again, except like real serious this time. It'll be really fun. I'd watch that. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Exoprimal. Um, Exoprimal's great. Uh, you want to come back to your other one, or, or do you want to talk about it now? You know what? Yeah, I'll, I'll talk about it now. I'll, I've got a minute and 30 seconds, and that's all I really need, because Oxenfree is a good time. Hey. Uh, I don't have a reason why I've kept it off uh, for, like, a, it's been out, what, six or seven years now? Um, that long? I, I feel like it, at least. Uh, I've had it on. I've had it on literally everything. I think I've got two two different copies on my PC, and then Switch and Xbox. Um, but Oxenfree is a, a really surprising time for basically being a walking simulator. Um, you're you're just making choices of of conversations and stuff. Uh, my only island. issue, yeah, and touring a cutesy little island that uh, has a, a lot of darkness behind it. Uh, I really like the story. But at the same time, it's one of those narratives that, you know, games games don't quite get right. They get really close to being really right. Um, but it, it was like watching a Lost episode for me. Yeah. Which I generally like. But at the same time, there were questions left un, unanswered. And that's because the game kind of expects you to replay the game. And I don't really like replaying games. Uh, even when you have choices to make like here. Uh-huh. And like I'm, like I get it, but 
Sorry. It, it gives like oxyfree. I get it. But like, <laughs> sorry. Like, they, they give you three options for every, uh, almost every one of the uh, conversations that you have in the game. You have three options to to pick from, or you can just ignore. Which I guess there might be four routes. There's at least uh, three routes in the game. Yeah, there probably um, is a fourth route because I I didn't finish the game for weird circumstances. I thought the game was cool. Uh, but yeah, they definitely wanted you to know that not selecting an answer was a choice. Yeah, which I, I did on purpose a lot, and then not on purpose several times. So like, because <laughs> the, the game gives you like three whole seconds to make your choice, and it's like, well, shit, I'm trying to live in the moment. Right. But, you know. Yeah, yeah, that can be tough. <laughs> and that I was reminds me of um, uh, what was the game that we played? As Dusk Falls, where uh, choosing yeah. not choosing an answer is still an answer, but yeah. I mean, you get infinite time to like make it well not infinite but you know pretty much and then you can vote mm-hmm. to extend it as well i wish so that oh sorry i didn't mean to cut you off no you're fine i was just gonna say so it's like that except for like always sonic drowning music <laughs> yeah. yeah where yeah. you're always in a panic to just be like wait but am it i expects- supposed to do the right thing or yeah do, and do I do so i just i just played uh i think her name was alex i just played her as fucking aloof and kind of offensive as possible so cool um that part was fun because I was just generally shitty to everybody, including the the new stepbrother that you're supposed to be like. He's he's supposed to kind of replace your dead brother. Like it's a whole thing. It's a very cool story, uh, and the the second game just came out a couple days ago. So I am I am stoked to to play that. That's really why I wanted to get Oxen Free out of the way to play the sequel. So hell yeah. Um, the only thing is that the sequel I don't think has any of the same characters in it. So. We'll see how. Uh oh, they all died. I mean, maybe <laughs> I'm, I'm play the game. Mean... They were they were so free. Uh, you know what's funny? Uh, when uh, I didn't, I had never heard of Oxen Free, and I posted somewhere. This was years ago that I was like, "Man, I had this weird dream where this happened and this happened and this happened and this happened." And a friend was like, "Oh, you mean just like Oxen Free?" And I was like, "What's that?" And I looked at it, and it was eerie. Where I was like, "Bro, this is." Like, I had a dream where I was on an island. There was weird time stuff and weird, like, uh, Lovecraftian, you know, just all all these things. Or, like, you'd walk into a room and you'd be like, I think I just walked in here already. And then when I watched the trailer, I'm like, okay, what happened? <laughs> There's, I think the spooky signal from the game kind of made its way out. There are podcasts about this. Uh, but that game seems oh, cool. Yeah. So Free 2 just came out, I think, last week. Yeah? Two days ago. Two days ago. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be excited to hear more about that. I think I will go back and replay the first one. Um, and if, if you and I powwow, uh, Vilos, uh, I'd like to see what you did so that I can do the opposite. Um, yeah, it's basically a four-hour game, so it's pretty easy to get into. Yeah, I at least got through two-thirds of it when I played. That's what it felt like. Because um, yeah, I was playing it on my phone, and it was cool. It actually was a good phone game, just like Stardew Valley was a good phone game. Those were the first two phone, like real mobile games I ever played. Um, so yeah, maybe, maybe I buy this on Switch or something. Because uh, Lizzie, my partner, also played on her phone um, both of those games. Actually, uh, she she actually beat the game, and so I saw some of the stuff closer to the end. But I'd be interested to ask her kind of what she did so that I could also avoid that and find those secret, probably terrible uh, endings that we all missed. But yeah, uh, looking forward to hearing more about Oxenfree 2. But that was Oxenfree 1 and Exoprimal, and that was Vilos. Thank you, my friend. No problem. All right. Um, let's see. Saab, do you want to go next? Got your stuff sure. Yeah, yeah. 
So, um, in order to avoid talking about Splatoon for like the sixth consecutive week in the work, uh, like in a row, because I definitely have just been playing that. Um, even though the Splatfest is finally over, you know what? I will talk about just a tiny bit, just a tiny bit. Just the Splatfest is over. Remember how you know you have to choose between the three ice cream flavors: vanilla, strawberry, ugh, and mint chocolate. Ugh, ugh. Um, so guess which one won? Any guesses? 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 Uh, not mint chocolate. I'm voting that as the the loser, the one loser. Actually. You're right. Vanilla one. Hey, oh, of course vanilla one. <laughs> but, Dang it, vanilla. But mint chocolate came in second. Honestly, it didn't surprise me at all because, like, when I think of strawberry as a dessert, ice cream is the last thing on my mind. Like, I would think of so many other desserts before I thought of strawberry ice cream. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm just like, I'm not even sure why they didn't even just go with regular chocolate. Like, just do an old Neapolitan affair. You know what I mean? Um. So the Splatfest is over and vanilla one, the team that I was on, even though I had to support Shiver, but that's a whole other topic. I'm not going to go off tangent there. So um, that was fun. Played a whole bunch of Splatoon 3, but the game I came to talk about tonight is Pokemon Conquest. Um, and so Pokemon Conquest, um, as you listeners will remember, if they have uh, been listening this month, I received it for my birthday. Um, it's like a 10-year-old game now. I think it came out in like 2014 or something like that. For 10-year-olds? What are you playing it for? Um, Because I'm a child at heart. <laughs> I mean, I think you're raising uh, Pokemon trainers in the in the Kent City area. I mean, maybe I'm uh, reaching here, but I mean, I will be doing that tomorrow. Tomorrow's my next mess again, so hey. that's gonna be fun. I've been upgrading my deck, so these kids are gonna have to evolve just like the Pokemon they're training. Um, but Pokemon Conquest so far has been a lot of fun. It's been kind of weird getting back into like the rhythm of like po- Pokemon's already turn based. Um, as like a core mechanic, but this is like a different kind of turn base. Um, so people who are like familiar with real-time strategy games like Fire Emblem or Wargroove or like Final Fantasy Tactics, games like that should be familiar with the gameplay style that this offers. And what's really neat about it is that it still takes the mechanics of the mainline mainstream Pokemon games and just like fuses it so... I think it's elegant. It's it's elegant and it's like not overwhelming because sometimes when you play real-time strategy there's like so many elements that come together and it's just like they're like uh you know tandem attacks and and team strategies and there's like flow charts and you know matchups and there's dynamics and there's relationships and i'm just like i'm trying to fight i don't have tea with you (laughs) i mean maybe maybe some hot coffee but you know (laughs) but not tea you know but this and like nixes out all of that it's just purely um, you are, for, I mean, I guess you do have to maintain a relationship with your Pokemon, but it's not like through any action outside of taking course in battle, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can go shopping and do things like that, feed them Ponigiri, but all of that is part of the strategy of battle. So um, that relationship is called Link. And so you build your Link. It's basically like leveling up your Pokemon every time you fight in a battle. Um, your Pokemon gets experience, which then raises their Link, and then they can evolve through that. Um, what makes it really interesting is that the trainers that are in there, of course, you're one, like you're the new warlord, like on campus, and you're trying to come in here and like, live up to the legend. And I think I touched on this a little bit last week, but it's based on like the Nobunaga story, which Violet remind me again, like the official name of that, the three kingdom something. Yeah, it's it's both like Nobunaga's ambition and the romance of three kingdoms stuff combined. Oh, okay. So it's two. Okay, I did not realize that. I just knew it was like Nobunaga's ambition, because I think that's actually what it's isn't I think that's actually what it's called in like uh, yeah, I think that's in Japan. Yeah, yeah. Like Pokemon Nobunaga's Ambition, which I think is such a gutsy title. Like, <laughs> uh, a little no. for Western audiences, I think. They, they yeah, say. yeah. I mean, unless you're like super duper cultured and like love to read stories like from, you know, the East, like 
Journey to the West, which I won't rant about because that's Wukong and that's a whole other thing. And y'all already know how I feel about him. Even though he's coming to Netflix, tangent, sorry. There's a, there's a Monkey King movie coming to Netflix. Hell yeah. I mean, which I do say. Whichever one you mm, agree with. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. It looks, it looks like it's trying to Kung Fu Panda. It's like Wukong into society, but you know, we'll get there. Um, speaking of fire monkeys, the first warlord that you take down, I think it's like a tutorial battle almost, is one that has Chimchar. And what you can do is when you're battling these warlords, these other warlords of other kingdoms, not only do you take over their kingdom, you can um, recruit them after a certain point. So you'll see like all of these really interesting characters with like fantastic designs. You don't have access to those characters until later. You get generic trainers until then. But each trainer, regardless of their generic or not, has a type that they specialize in. So for instance, um, your sidekick character she? She specializes in normal and dragon types, so her signature Pokemon is Jigglypuff. I'm not sure. Y yeah, what? right? Oh. So, like, she specializes in normal types, but also dragon types. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. You know, back then, they just had different definitions for things. Um, I mean, Jigglypuff, she'd be, she'd be a dragon. <laughs> <laughs> she'd be dragging that marker across her face when you fall asleep after she sings. <laughs> uh, but no, I've been having fun. You know, it... it, it Puts all the Pokemon mechanics in there, so like um, abilities from the other the other games, such as like Torrent and and Overgrow, which um, boost your attack power when you're low on HP. They make their way over here, but then there's also Pokemon Conquest centric, not centric, exclusive um, abilities, which can only you know really be used in this format. So like things like increasing range. And um, sorry, did Harlow hit the mic when oh, she? Got... Oh, when you turned your head, it. Uh, oh, you were oh no! Clear. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, and what's a funny thing? I keep. I've done this like three times already tonight. Where I'm in my work environment, it's kind of loud sometimes, like in my day job, and I often have to turn my ear, you know, face my ear towards the speaker, and I keep doing that with you guys, and that's not how headphones work. <laughs> <laughs> so if you see me turning my head, just know that I'm just making a fool of myself again. One of these the days. Dolby, the Dolby look around sound. Yeah. Oh, oh, I must have heard something. Oh nope, just uh, <laughs> stretching my uh, neck. Uh, no. Um, when you said this game came uh, came out ten years ago, this is on the two no the three DS. Oh. The twenty four uh, twenty fourteen I think put on original DS. Original DS. Yeah, the original, like the big the big chonky one. Well, the thing big we're watching chonker. right now is came... two screens. So I guess well, I already answered my question before I Yes, got... DS is the, the original DS. Oh, is that also... DS? Yeah. Right. I'm thinking of the SP. No. no. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um I I occasionally know a thing. Uh sometimes. Um well cool. So uh what what inspired you to play this now? I mean, you just was it in your lineup? I mean, were you waiting to play it for a while? Um, well, I can't remember what got me talking about it like before in the past, but I think I'd offhandedly mentioned that Pokemon Conquest is like one of my favorite Pokemon games. And then suddenly, bam, there it is for my birthday. And I was like, well, my God, I haven't been able to play this since I was insert each year, um, you know, for the government. And so I was just like, I'm gonna play this. So I, right now I'm just using it as a time sync or like when I'm winding down for bed because the music in it is actually really cool. Um, they have some banger soundtracks on there, like especially in the Electric Kingdom, which is called Violite, which is home to the hottest warlord of all time, Gichinkyo. She is amazing and she has a shinx and it's so cute. A shinx? Uh, I a shinx. It's a, well, is it, is, this, is it a cat? Is it a sphinx? I don't know. Uh, shinx, 
is a play on that. Um, yeah. I don't know if it, I think it's more a lion, but the name itself is a play on Sphinx. Yes. So yes, it, it is a cat. <laughs> to answer your question, yes, it's a cat. It's an electric cat. Cool, cool. Um, so I just use it to wind down. Um, it's been really cool, like reliving the story, because honestly, I forgot. I was just like, oh, cool. You just conquered kingdoms. Like, what's the actual story? Because when I was little, I didn't care about that. I just wanted to do my turn-based Pokemon and raise my favorite things. And I'm just like, what story? You what's know? that? Uh, so now, now that I'm old enough to actually understand, quote-unquote, Nobunaga's ambition, it's been interesting, you know? Because when you're a child, you don't really get the concept of, like, warfare. So, sure. Oh, hopefully. Hopefully. I mean, we have the, you know, blessing of not being able to understand the concept of warfare as children. But, you know, now that I'm more, you know, mature, uh, now I can play through this game with, like, a new perspective, and it's kind of cool. Nice. Uh, well, that is Pokemon Conquest. Uh, how far how far into it do you think you are? I mean, I'd forgotten you had started by saying that you've played this before. Uh, so um, I'm definitely further than I made it when I was younger uh, because I was doing so many other Pokemon related things by then. Um, I think this game had come out shortly after Pokemon Platinum did. So I was like whole hog on that because Pokemon breeding. Mm -hmm. um, but right now I'm only a couple of hours in and I've conquered five of the 17 kingdoms. There's one for each type um, back then. Um, and there's also like these other, like just conquering the kingdoms isn't part of the story. There's like more to it. There's like a, you know, whole overarching narrative. So, and I'm eager to discover what that is because apparently according to the lore of the game, if you conquer all 17 kingdoms, Arceus himself will come down and be like, I acknowledge you as like the warlord of the, you know, the universe be powerful, blah, blah, blah. You know, and all he, that. he so, never learned to speak. He doesn't talk much. <laughs> so, I mean, he does give you a phone in Legends Arceus. So, <laughs> 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 he can talk. He can absolutely talk for sure. So, uh, you up? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, well, awesome. Yeah, Pokemon Conquest. Uh, I'll be interested to hear how it ends because you've played into it, but you've not beaten it before. Yeah. Correct. Correct. Like I've never even come across Nobunaga. Who, like, I mean, if you all were watching the trailer, um, here with us today, like, he's a pretty good looking guy. So I'm looking forward to running into him. Again and again. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, cool. Okay, so uh, let's talk about what I've been playing. Uh, I streamed on Monday. I streamed uh, Darkest Dungeon 2. I just keep liking that game more and more. And so I don't need to tell you all about what that game is. If you'd like, you can just listen to the other podcasts. I've talked about it plenty. What I want to talk about, uh, what I want to show you here is... Um, a ridiculous situation that happened to me um on um on monday uh let's see if i can get this on here uh i played with some new stuff so uh at the beginning of your run you can unlock trinkets like the one that you can see on screen now uh where uh oh apparently when i edited the video i only showed it for like five seconds so anyway it's gone now uh what i did unlock it was uh this trinket where it's the highest tier of trinket and the highest tier of trinkets are all really, really strong. And they hand them out pretty regularly if you know how to, to find them, which is great. Uh, so the game has lots of swings where like sometimes it's really hard, but if you're able to, um, you know, use your player knowledge to, to do things right, then it can kind of get easy under the right circumstances. Well, I got a trinket right off the bat that said, uh, when I give it to a character, every time that they resist, any status effect like fire blight or bleed um 
that my character instantly heals 20% of their health, which is huge. Like, the biggest heals in the game are usually 33% of your health, or a couple of them are 50% of your health. Um, but you can only use those heals when you're low health. Like, the whole crux of healing in this game is you can only do it if... Uh, oh, I'm wearing a red shirt. It looks like I'm wearing the same shirt in both of these. Uh, you can only usually heal when you're low health. Well, anyway, I gave my tank, I gave my Hellion, who's usually uh, my super badass, hits really hard, barbarian character. Uh, usually I make her uh, really aggressive. Um, but this time I made her a tank. And so I put that on her uh, and, and stacked all these items. So essentially she was the tankiest character I've ever had in the game. Well... I go into this boss fight. I fought uh, a boss I haven't seen since the uh, since early access. It's this gross, giant tentacle, baby thing called the Harvest Child. Uh, and Ew, you can see, I do not like that description. <laughs> oh, this this area is the grossest, most unsettling area that I've seen in the game. I mean, I've mentioned to you guys how nasty some of the enemies are. They're they're genuinely unsettling. So this this character, as you can see, this giant meat baby thing uh, is wearing one of those cornucopia shells as if it's like a hermit crab or something. Uh, well, when, you, when you're in this, this big area, not just this boss area, uh, but when you're in this big area, uh, everything's eating every, like everything's eating everything else. So the enemies try to eat you and they actually eat each other to buff themselves. It's disgusting. Uh, so this boss spawns with a couple big piles of meat. They're just piles of meat. And uh, those those will attack you by enticing you with their like terrible smells um, where during your turn, you'll your character will try to rush to the front of the of your squad of your team um, and try to eat the the meat. And if you have multiple people who have that debuff on them, um, when one of them eats and the other person is hungry, that other person will immediately get upset and they'll their like relationship will go bad and they'll. Um, take sanity damage too. So it's a pretty interesting um, situation. But what you have here is this harvest child has killed my entire team except for my barbarian. So here's here's where it's going to get complicated and I'm going to try to keep it simple. To make my Hellion tanky, she uh, essentially gives herself this debuff that makes her do downwards to 0% damage where she cannot deal any direct damage at all. Well, I forgot to put my other abilities on there that still work even when i do zero percent damage like my bleed my damage over time well i forgot to get those so i had zero percent damage and i have one ability that allows me to cleanse that uh that debuff so that i can start doing damage again but i can only use it if i have really low health well my problem was I kept healing. Every time this enemy attacked me, it tried to inflict bleed on me. I resisted it and immediately healed. And the, so the problem was I needed to get low health and I could not get low health. I've never had a character that was so death proof. And so eventually um, I killed the boss here. Uh, a normal combat takes anywhere between three and eight turns. And I finally killed that boss after 36 turns. And the way that I ended up having to do it, uh, I, I ended up, I beat this big boss. And then later on, I beat the final encounter of this area. The final encounter of every area is the same. You fight the same four enemies, at least every time I've played. Um, 
and I, I beat them. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I was really thrilled that the Hellion, again, same character, uh, that she took down two enemies before eventually dying. This time, I actually won the fight, but it took forever. I was on the final boss fight for like, like 30 minutes, maybe. Uh, just great stream content, let me tell you. Uh, actually, I really did have a great time doing it. But it was funny, in, in this final boss fight, so now you can see it on screen, um, I had the same problem where I needed to get low health and I just couldn't do it. Um, so the only way I could come up with is if you pass your turn, your character will actually get stressed out for not, you know, they're like, hey, I wanted to take a turn, I wanted to do something, but instead I pass and that stresses me out. So if you stress your character out enough, there's a really high chance that they will melt down when you melt down. So, you know, when your sanity bar fills up, uh, you melt down and your health bar goes almost all the way to the bottom. And that's what I was trying to do, right? So I thought, okay, I'll just stress my character out, I'll melt down, and then I'll finally be able to use my ability, I'll be able to get the killing blow. Well, boy, this character, look at this. When every time I get crit, part of her tanking thing, every time she gets crit, she heals stress damage instead of taking stress damage. So these enemies, which crit a lot and bleed a lot, Basically, every time they attack me, I am stronger after they hit me than I was before. Um, which, again, is the opposite of what I needed. So <laughs> uh, so when you get stressed out, there is usually about a 15, or let's round it up just for the sake of this, a 20% chance of being resolute. So uh, when, you're, when your stress meter fills up, you can become resolute. It's really great. You fully heal. Uh, any of your allies in the team in your team usually get a buff. You get a big buff, um, but there's only a small chance, a 20% chance that that'll happen. Well, uh, while this Hellion was my only character in my party, I ended up uh, hitting full stress seven times, which usually somebody hits it like once or twice and then they're dead. Um, sometimes they don't even hit a single time before they die. Uh, but boy, she she hit uh, full stress seven times, and five out of seven times, she became resolute. So to remind you of the math here, 20% chance of this happening, it happened five out of seven times. Well, boy, guys, I didn't want that to happen. I wanted to melt down. So every time the really good thing happened, I was very disappointed. Uh, I've never been so disappointed for the best outcome. Um, but uh, it, was, it was a wild stream. Chrome was in there. Uh, it was... It was like nothing I've ever seen. So I went back uh, the, the next run. I had the same team, the same makeup and all this stuff. And uh, we killed the same boss uh, and ended stream there. But it was a really good time. But it was just so funny that like my character was unkillable. And that was the problem. <laughs> uh, but it was fun to discover that. So, so now I've unlocked seven total characters in that game. Um, including the, the occultist from the first game. Uh, which his, his wild card ability is that... Uh, hi, kitty. Are you going to meow into the mic? His wild card ability is that he can heal you uh, anywhere uh, from between 0 to 33% of your health. So there's a chance that when he heals you, you just don't get healed at all. Um, and when he heals you, there's a 50% chance that he'll inflict uh, bleed on you. So for those keeping track at home, that means there is a chance that the uh, occultist will heal you for 0 and then make you bleed out. <laughs> <laughs> which is not good. Uh, so it's a real risk-reward situation. But, um, yep, Darkest Engine 2, lots of fun. Uh, still loving it. You'll see me stream that a lot over the next year because it's going to take me a long time to get through this game. 
but it's great. The first game was great too. They're just different from each other, but uh, I'm really happy about it. Uh, let's see. I got I got 50 seconds on the clock according to our timer here. Uh, I'm gonna say that I also this week I played um, Loop Hero, which you've heard me talk about before. Um, I was very frustrated today to discover that after you beat the first boss for the first time, which I've done seven times now, um, after you beat the boss once, it unlocks the second tier difficulty, but the developer of this game was so interested in the aesthetic that, uh, they didn't think that they should make it obvious, uh, when you unlock that second tier. So I had no idea that I had access to this new tier and I've been trying every new combination of stuff to unlock these resources I need to, to progress in the game. And I mean, I was about to give up and then I was just playing around and I realized that there was a second difficulty I could play on. And as soon as I loaded it up, I killed the most basic enemy in the game and immediately got one of those resources that I, I've, I've been playing for hours trying to get those things. And now I'm just like, Oh, there was just a button that wasn't very easy to see. So that was frustrating. Um, so now we're, we're back in business, baby. I'm still enjoying that game, but man, um, between Terra Nil and Loop Hero, Devolver's kind of letting me down with, uh, some of the UI stuff. I need it to be just a little more obvious so that I can get to the fun part. But, uh, that's good. And then I'm playing Valheim. I'm not going to talk about it this time, but enjoying that. Oh, oh, I completely forgot. I have to mention this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. On uh, this past Sunday, uh, Nerdstead and I streamed Commonhood. Um, that'll end up on Nerdstead's YouTube channel, and I'll get a link on our socials uh, as soon as we have it. Uh, but that is a, a pretty janky uh, game that seems like it's in early access despite being out uh, for, for a year. Uh, if you're interested, you can still find that VOD here on our Twitch. But I did want to mention that um, once we have that all figured out, and we will have further streams of that um, in, the, in the near future over the coming weeks. Um, yeah, that's Commonhood. Go check that out, and then uh, I'll I'll shout out Nerdstead's channel here in chat, uh, just so you can get his uh, details. All right, that's um, all I've been playing. Speaking of like survival games, um, we're still waiting to break open that that small lands. Uh, we are so because people are so hot on Exoprimal. Still, we've been holding off because I don't want to compete with that and split the number of players available because I don't I. Exoprimal is crushing it in our Discord right now, and I don't want I don't want people to be like suddenly, oh man, I have to choose between these two games. Uh, especially, it's like Small Land can support ten people, so this is the the roll call. A bunch of us have bought this game. It's very similar to Grounded, you know, uh, big world, little person, little player. Um, so a lot of us have picked this up, and we're all waiting to play it. So Sav. You're not the first person to ask me that this week. We have a bunch of people excited. So we'll probably play Exoprimal again this week, give the whole weekend to that. And then maybe next Friday, depending on how stuff goes, um, we'll see where we're at with Small Land. Because I, I would really like to play that too. I just don't want to leave anybody behind, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. But good question. Good question. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, that's it for what we've been playing. Uh, we're going to get to our party topic in a minute, but let's take a, a few minute break if that's all right for everybody. I got to refill my water. Hydrate, hydrate. All right, uh, we'll be back in just a few minutes, y'all. Okay, uh, well, we're back from our, our little break and we're ready to talk about our favorite video game controllers. So this party topic is straight to the point. It is, uh, you know, what is our all-time favorite controller? 
you know, each of us. Um, my my initial thoughts when we uh, proposed this was that um, my obvious answer is that the newest controllers that we have are the best controllers there are. I think the, the PS5 controllers, the, the best controller I've ever used. But just like Pokemon, I... I get frustrated when everyone interprets what is the best as meaning what's the most powerful. Um, so I'm going to bring that into this conversation and I'm going to say uh, I'm personally going to make those new ones off limits because um, there are plenty of other controllers to like out there for plenty of other reasons. Um, just because they're not the most powerful doesn't mean that they shouldn't be near the top of this list. Uh, but I'm going to actually save mine for last because uh, my controller is actually one that I don't have a lot of experience with. So I want to hear about the ones that you guys do have experience with. Uh, which one of you guys wants to start? Don't everybody volunteer once. All right, it's Vilos. <laughs> well, um, no, I was, I was thinking because I literally brought all my controllers out and put them on my bed for like just in case. And I'm like, where am I going to go with the conversation? Um, but for just, me, like, I, I left really... stick forward and it'll it'll take you where you need to go. <laughs> so really when i when it came down to it i had a couple different options in my head i was a, a really big fan of the uh the original xbox uh s style controller because uh, they obviously they started out with the duke on the original xbox and it was trash it was the biggest thing of all time like duke like there were people that liked the dreamcast controller and I'm sorry. I'm going to shit on you guys. All right. That was bad. It's better the than Duke the N64 controller. controller. I like the N64 controller, but the Dreamcast <laughs> controller is not that bad. Well, at the time, uh, I remember not thinking it was that bad. Like, <laughs> your kidding. hands are like literally... It's literally like a box. It's and, a box with a circuit board in it. And you're holding you're holding the edges of another box on the back. Like, it was, <laughs> it was not ergonomic in the slightest, right? Um but the the duke needed a replacement when when it came out and so the the type s was like the progenitor of all of the current pro style controllers now um cuz like yeah dual shock was a thing uh, whatever playstation users like it was it was a base right it was a base but the 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 s controller for xbox the original xbox was like the thing um that was it's so close to my number one, uh, and at the time, the original Xbox had a Logitech controller that was really, really, really good. I will never stop talking about the Logic, the Logitech controller on Xbox. That was the first wireless uh, controller that I ever played with. The only problem with it was battery usage. Mm -hmm. It was AA batteries, and you could run through it in easily like a six hour session one session otherwise it was rated for like 25 hours no yeah no way well i don't think that i don't think that the people who designed the controller expected you to use all of its battery life in one sitting <laughs> true, <laughs> true, but it could not handle it like it was connected it was connecting to the, the dongle that was attached to the xbox and all that but it was the smoothest physically like the smoothest controller if you're familiar with how the um the uh wii u the wii u pro controller was that was smooth, and it was because they literally made like glossy, slick plastic that just felt so good, right? What What did the um, Wii U Pro controller look like? Because the Wii was, U is the huge, black, it's the tablet, like the, the battery, the tablet, right? So like the Pro controller, like you would see, I mean, like it looked like this, but white and 
glossy. Oh, okay. yeah, but so, it, was, it was skinnier though. It was overall. Oh yeah, it's, I, I don't have a, I don't have a Switch Pro controller nearby, so that was the closest. Um, it was analog I had. Very close to the the DualShock uh, or the the fucking DualSense. Very close to that width, but it was like a slick battering sort of situation. It was really cool. Um, Do you think anybody's ever used it as a weapon? <laughs> yes, <laughs> but this is this is all to say like. All these really great things came down to what is my current favorite. It's obviously nostalgia has its own place for those those old controllers, but currently my favorite is the Switch Pro controller. Uh, specifically, the Xenoblade Two one is my jam. I love it more than life itself, uh, partially because of the actual design of it, right? But uh, it's it's so comfortable in every situation. Um, I have played shooters on Switch with it, and it's totally fine. Obviously, the Switch is not where you generally play, play shooters on. Yeah, when's Exoprimal uh, coming to Switch? <laughs> Never. Wow, I mean, Splatoon is, like, right there, by the way. That's so rude. Well, it's still on my <laughs> Switch, all right? Um, but it's also, like, if if you're if you really come down to, like, the, the brass tacks of the actual construction, like, pro controllers are sturdy as hell. Like, ridiculously sturdy. I never expected that to be the case. Especially with this one, like you can see the uh, the translucent parts of it and everything, and like I am very big on keeping my controllers safe, but this sucker has like fallen off of random shit way more times than I ever intended, and it doesn't How have many a scratch. Did you intend? Zero. <laughs> All right, um, absolutely zero. But it has fallen many times, and like the way that the main body of it is constructed. Uh, as the like the main uh, one piece, um, it, it just really it takes a lot to damage in any way, shape, or form. The sticks obviously are way better than the Joy Cons ever will be. Uh, just super, super comfortable and probably the best D pad uh, in the business right now. Uh, and that's that's even with the Series S and X. Um, the, I don't remember what they call the the weird dial D-pad. That one's super comfy, but I, I feel like it's the Switch Pro D-pad is uh, actually more um, more responsive. So that's it right now. All right. Well, it's uh, cool. Can, can you get uh, can we get another shot of your controller again? It's a little dirty right now, but yeah. Oh, ew, gross. <laughs> actually, it looked, I wouldn't even know. Yeah, I mean, I can't really tell either. That's a good looking controller. And I did look up a picture of the Wii U uh, Pro Controller. That's wait, wait, really cool. Wait, so which one did you just hold up? Uh, the Switch Pro Controller, the Xenoblade Switch Pro, okay. Switch Pro Controller. Just double checking because, yeah, the picture I had in my head of what this might, what the Wii U Pro Controller might look like was exactly right. It Nintendo's Pro Controllers definitely have an yeah. aesthetic to them. Um, because if if you just flashed that for a second at me, I would have believed that was a Wii U Pro Controller too. <laughs> um, but that's a cool one, um, and you gotta like that custom stuff. I know uh, we got Lord Chrome in chat here. Uh, he posted the other day. He had the um, uh, the new Starfield uh, custom one and a Sonic one. I want to say. Uh, and if anybody else out there wants to share pictures of your custom controllers, I always love seeing that stuff. Whether it's a custom plate that you've got. Um, even custom plates for your uh, for your whole system, for like the Xboxes too. Those are dope. Um, well, let's see, uh, Sav, what uh, what hill are you dying on here? Uh, I see your messages. What's up? What's up? Yeah. So, um, well, that specifically is about where A and X 
buttons are like located, like A through X buttons located on controllers, um, because chat is talking about how Nintendo puts them in the wrong spots, but they had those buttons first. So the other companies are putting them in the wrong spots. So I'm gonna just put that out there. But speaking of Nintendo, I'm gonna show y'all my favorite controller. Hey. Because I've had every controller I've ever had since childhood ever. And that includes this one. Aha, the purple translucent N64 controller. Actually, if you look really close, you can see I put my like my crown on it. Oh my gosh, you did. Is that... Um... It's branding. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Did you just mark that on there? Did did you mark the yellow on there or was the yellow part of the translucent? No, I marked it on there. Um, and the reason I did this is because UpDown was having a Smash tournament and I wanted to bring my own, my own controller so I didn't have to use their crappy ass ones. Um, and this is the way I differentiated it between the ones that were there is I marked it up with this. That way, if anyone tried to stay learn or anything, I'd be like, uh-uh, uh-uh, that's fine. <laughs> Where's my crown? Where's my crown? If somebody but, stole it, you got to say that they stole your crown, right? Like that's... I mean, it's in the shape of one. Oh, I didn't think about that. Uh-huh. Okay, so are you incorporating that into your next cosplay or... or... I'll get back to you on that, actually. That's a... Hmm. <laughs> But no, um, the reason this is my favorite controller is because, I mean, first of all, look at it. This is like the most unique controller that we've ever had ever in the history of the world. You know, people nowadays still, even growing up with the controller, don't know how to hold it, quote unquote. Um, And I say quote unquote because it was actually designed to be held in three different ways and function um, in those three different ways. So, of course, you have like the, um, I'm not pushed to talk right now, so let me... You, we could hear you before. Okay. Oh, there we go. So I'm putting on voice activity so I can use both my hands. So obviously you have this way, or well, this way is one of the ways that you could do. So you could do like dual stick stuff. And this is the, this is the one that's used the least, but it is still usable. So this is with my left hand on for the people who are listening and not watching. There's left hand on the D-pad, right hand on the middle column. Um, this is the normal, typical way that most games do. So, um, and I think my camera, I don't know if, okay, no, I'm good. Yeah, so um, left hand on the, middle and then right hand on the face buttons right and then there are games that actually exclusively use this um configuration which is my left hand on the d-pad and then my right hand on the face buttons and those two games are kirby 64 crystal shards and um tetrasphere which is one of our chat members favorite games of all time on n64 which is really cool um so yeah, I love this controller. It's got so many different ways to play on it. It's the most versatile controller that we've ever had in the history of existence. I mean, I'm, I, I really cannot think of a more versatile controller than this because it incorporated so many play styles. And okay, okay. And but the first one you showed, under this one. what circumstances? Yes, you can hold it that way, but when would you use it that way? You only there have are games that actually three buttons. The, well, I mean, the games, there are games out there that actually use it in this way. I don't know what any of them are, but when I was reading up more on, um, like, the controller itself, because I was actually interested, like, why was it designed like this? You know what I mean? So I was looking up, you know, some some stuff, and um, there is there are games out there that use this configuration. I don't know what they are, but they exist. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, like, it's crazy. And, and it was the first controller to introduce uh, Americans to the rumble pack feature, like the rumble feature in a controller, like haptic feedback that was new to America when this came out. Um, and I specify America because Sony came out with their DualShock controller. In America, it didn't have vibration. In America and Europe, it didn't have vibration. In Japan, though, the original DualShock did. And it came out two days before the N64 did. 
So in the Americas, it is the first game to feature or controller to feature Rumble. So I'm gonna just put that out there because I knew somebody was gonna come for me in the comments about it if I had just said the first controller, blah, blah, blah. I got you. I did my research. Um, but it's also like the first instance that we see video game consoles using data from other systems and cartridges to affect the, the games that they are using. So um, what I mean by that is like in Pokemon Stadium, you can insert the cartridge with your game cartridge in it, and then you can upload your Pokemon to the game. We see that emulated in the future with, you know, the Dreamcast. You know, they have the VMUs. You can transfer your child from garden to garden. There's all sorts of other things you can do. Um, it really introduced us to a lot of technology. It was the first controller to feature camera control. You know, like Super Mario 64 is credited as the first, you know, 3D game that featured controlling the camera. Of course, the buttons can be used for other things, like in the Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask. Um, you can set, you know, secondary items to everything on the C, the C sticks and stuff. But it's the first controller to do that, you know. And then that inspired, like, the dual stick setup because the first DualShock, of course, didn't have the analog sticks. But then the ones that were released later, when the PS One was designed, redesigned in two thousand, came out with the DualShock analog sticks that we all know today. But then Nintendo followed suit again by doing the dual shot like the dual analog stick thing except switching the d-pad with the analog stick so the analog stick is up here and the d-pad is down here like as you see on a gamecube controller which i can pull but i don't i don't feel like reaching right now but they were the first like they introduced that and then everybody else followed suit with that setup so like the xbox controller that we see now today introduced that d-pad on there you know why it's a circle it's because the d-pad is like that design was copyrighted by nintendo so they can't that's why it has like all the little the oh, circle really? d-pad Mm-hmm. I think at the time when that like that they had the patent on the D-pad, so um, Nintendo was responsible for that. They are responsible for the you know Rumble feature in America. They're responsible for like data transfer between like you know different consoles and things like that, like all of that. Um, and one thing I also wanted to touch on too is that um, there's a fourth way to actually play with an N64 controller, which is with two of them at once. That's um, crazy. What? Yeah. Even is that so? Uh, there is Star Wars Episode One, the pod racing game. You can use a controller in each hand to control each individual engine and what have you. I think you needed like a cheat to do that, a cheat code to do that. But then um, Perfect Dark. There's a Perfect Dark game um, that you can do and it has the dual controller set up too. So, I mean, just it opened up so many possibilities for what control schemes could mean. Um, and some of the features that we have now probably would not be here and or would have come a lot later if Nintendo didn't come in and like innovate everything. Like they always do, for better or worse, they always do innovate, like the future of gaming. That's what I think. Even if it's bad, it's something that gets the conversation going, and then things evolve from that. Yeah, uh, somebody's got to do stuff first, you know. That's cool. I didn't. Uh, if I knew about the the dual stick using two controllers, if I knew about that, I'd forgotten it. That's a wild bit of like. That's the kind of thing you say to a kid, and they're like, "Okay, grandma." Back to bed. <laughs> I remember when we used to get Netflix in the mail. <laughs> well, I mean, that was because technically Pod Racer was only two player, right? As far as that goes. So. I don't recall. But like uh, I said, it wasn't the only game to use that that feature. Yeah. Um, yeah, I never had four people to play that game, so two is all I knew. I don't even know. Uh, but Man, that... they, they always had it set up in like Blockbuster to, to screw around, you know. Was the good oh time. yeah, yeah. In '64 era was the my neck is killing me because I'm at Walmart playing the. Dinners. Oh, the Walmart! Oh my God, yes. <laughs> and then it continued with when Melee came out. People would spend all so much time playing Melee on the GameCube because they would 
I, I'll tell you what, I get nostalgic about a lot of things, but that is not one of them when it comes to video games. I liked the little McDonald's booths that had the GameCube controllers and 64 controllers and everything there. Right. Did not like playing at the department store because we had I mean, those yeah. literally like a 30 degree angle that you're just yeah. sitting Seriously. Like, that and my back. Unreasonable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Well, then uh, I'll piggyback off of that. So, my actual favorite controller, excluding the new ones, which are fantastic. I think would be, and I, I, lots of the, um, you know, I, I thought the Xbox 360 controller was great. I didn't expect to like the next, the, everything that came after it so much. I, you know, uh, once you've had a controller, like you're talking about nostalgia, once you've been holding a controller for long enough, it feels like home, you know, it feels comfortable. Like as soon as you, you're sitting on the couch and you have that thing in your hands, you know that it's time to relax. So, uh, you know, Pavlov or something would would say that every time you hold it in your hands, um, you know, you're immediately comforted. Well, uh, for me, if I if I take it back um, uh, away from all of those um, back in the early days, back in the GameCube days, uh, so post N64, uh, the WaveBird on the GameCube, the WaveBird was the first, if I recall correctly, the first wireless controller I ever used. So that was for the GameCube. You know, you plug your little wireless dongle into the front of the system and then you've got uh AA batteries to power your uh controller and if i recall correctly that the the batteries lasted pretty long i don't remember replacing those even as often as as i would have replaced the xbox 360 uh batteries um, i think that one was actually rated for 40 hours that's I think it was that's awesome that's a super long time uh you know and i thought the gamecube controller was pretty cool um you know, I liked the N64 controller for a lot of the reasons that you've mentioned, but um, the, the GameCube controller was cool for me. I remember playing um, Smash Bros and loving how the right control stick uh, was was situated because you've got all the buttons on the right. So it felt like my right hand was was designed for the buttons. But then, uh, like using Smash as an example, uh, you know, the C stick, um, when you use it in a certain direction, it basically does the equivalent of a combination of other buttons so like you know if you want to do a smash attack normally you'd hit side you know to the right and a at the same time uh but if you just tap that with the c stick it does that exact uh same thing in the direction you choose immediately and with only one button press uh it's now that i'm thinking of it it's almost like the earliest version of a macro but on your controller because you're just combining inputs from something else you know from another part of the controller uh, into this other thing. And I remember loving that because uh, even to this day, if I'm playing Smash, um, I'm using that C-Stick all the time. And I really liked how, uh, like, if if you use a PlayStation controller, you're, um, I don't know, it's very ergonomic so that it's, it, it, my my thumb gravitates towards the uh, the stick, really. And until, until recently, um, a controller was my preferred uh, gaming method of choice, not a mouse and keyboard. Now it is mouse and keyboard, but um i i would just say that the the c stick on the gamecube was my favorite part um also it was kind of fun that the z button existed only on one side of the controller it wasn't an r1 r2 and l1 l2 situation like we see in the controllers today it was like hey there's z up here it's for taking screenshots or something you know or whatever but i just liked how weird that controller was and it, it was bright and colorful and all that uh, but but uh, yeah, so the GameCube controllers were good, but the the WaveBird really was uh, the business. Um, so that's my that's my favorite controller, I think. What I do want to say here, though, 
Uh, not that I have like a lot of specific things to talk about it, but uh, I've talked about how I really like second screens in gaming. I like it when uh, on the GameCube, for example, uh, I would play Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles and my brother would pull up with the Game Boy Advance. You plug it in to the uh, to the system and now I can be playing. And I like I remember uh, I had a, a thing in game where if I hit an enemy, it would tell my brother on the on the Game Boy Advance it would tell him like what item is this enemy carrying so i could decide like this this enemy is going to take a while to kill is it worth it no well i'll just skip it or uh other times you hit an enemy and it'll tell you their weakness and stuff so that was pretty cool uh and that was an example of using a non-traditional controller for inputs um and i i would say uh in other in another situation cuz there there aren't a lot of second screens to point to i wish there were more um like in Red Dead Redemption, you know, you can use your phone. You can use the app on your phone to look at the map and stuff. I think that is super duper cool. Um, but I say all of this to to say that I should probably go and play more of the 2DS and the 3DS because I like the idea of looking up on one screen and playing with the screen on the other. Not just having, you know, it's not just like I want my screen over here and I want my, my inputs in another place. Uh, it's that they're side by side and it's all this unique presentation you know um i played i uh, on the 3ds i'm pretty sure i did play the link between worlds game i want to say i played very few of the games on the handheld systems i played more of the sp than anything i played pokemon fire red on uh my sp which is why i have that one stuck in my head when we were talking earlier about the 2ds um but i think i should go back and play those i even have one i i have the ability to play those here i have one in my house it's got a bunch of dust on it um so i am taking recommendations of things to play but i i like the novelty that the ds has such a unique control scheme that the that it being a handheld and a controller is all is all the same thing and that might just sound like an obvious statement to make but um i think it really is a very novel um a very unique what, what's the word innovative way to um approach uh playing games at all you know and then having so many games designed around that is great uh there's the famous thing i don't remember what game it's from but um you're supposed to like copy the map from one screen to the other and you're actually supposed to close the 3ds uh so that the screens are touching you know and it copies the map from the bottom to top maybe it's one of the zelda games i thought for sure you guys would know immediately what i was talking i about. know what you're talking about but i I cannot remember for the life of me what that was. Like, I feel like Boktai had some weird shit like that. But was it Tao's Adventure? Oh, you know, I mean, you could name it, and I honestly wouldn't know. Because, I mean, the whole point is I should play more because of this stuff, but I'm ignorant to a lot of it. Um, <laughs> but the fact that that exists is so cool to me. Um, and I think, I think that the 2DS and 3DS deserve to be in this conversation of favorite controller, even though we think of a controller as usually being separate from the system. Um, you know, not that this is a hill I'm going to die on, you know, if it was, I would have already played those systems, but, um, you know, I, I really like that stuff. I really like, you know, I mean, now we've, we've talked about three Nintendo controllers and how innovative they are. So, uh, you know, the switch is great. It's one big screen. I'd love to have, uh, more opportunities to have a second screen to that, you know, it, whatever the next switch is, I hope there's some way that it incorporates those ideas because, I, I don't I can't get enough of second screens in the world too because I like these uh one and a half player experiences like 
the Game Boy Advance thing I mentioned or the Red Dead Redemption thing. Um, if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be Nintendo. So I hope, I hope whatever their next thing is, somehow, slim chance, uh, incorporates that. But um, yeah, if anybody has recommendations for 2DS or 3DS games, I am... I'm looking for them. Well, I, I actually just looked up a couple of things because I, I didn't remember. I didn't find what you were talking about, but I it did jog my memory that the Etrian Odyssey games, which are coming to Switch Ooh. now, um, if you played them on the, the DS and 3DS, you actually keep track of your map on the second screen the whole game. Like, you're drawing on the map. You're drawing what you need to be doing uh, because of the dungeon play and stuff like that. That said, the the first person style that it has might not be your jam visually because it, it it actually gives a lot of people with eye problems uh, issues. So but I just have that many out. eye problems. In fact, I was reading a <laughs> uh, a packet, a pamphlet in a poorly lit area yesterday, and I looked up. I was trying to read this thing for like forty five minutes. It was rough, and I looked up. And straight up, the room was like spinning, and I was like, "Oh my goodness, I have not had such a bad reaction to with my eyes in in like almost a decade." So, boy, if you don't get you some glasses, man, you might see me in glasses here soon. Honestly, if with how bad it was yesterday, so uh, so actually, uh, we're talking about it. When I did play on the 3DS, I usually had to keep uh, the 3D turned all the way off. It was very hard for me to to see the 3D. Um, and I, I just love that, that was like a feature at all. Like who else but Nintendo would think of something like that? Like a portable, no glasses, 3D device. Like well, that is so crazy. I wonder if that it works both ways that I am able to turn it off and still enjoy those games. That they're not unplayable because I can't use that part, you know, which is huge. Right. And they didn't have to do that. I love that they did. Uh, Odysseus says, maybe in response to what I was saying before, uh, that Pokemon might be the game. One of the Pokemon games might be that one where you copy, where you have to close the 3DS, which is so counterintuitive because that's like I, how you make it go to sleep. You know? I don't recall a Pokemon game doing that. Like, I mean, maybe like playing through Conquest and I'm thinking about Pokemon Dash, that's a racing game. I'm thinking about, um, oh, maybe maybe one of the Rangers games could have done it. He was, uh, oh, he was asking for suggestions. Well, you know what? Um, oh, okay. I'm going to ask ChatGPT to find the answer but, to this thing for me. No. No, they're being sued right now. Don't do it. Oh, they are? <laughs> oh, well, conversation for another time. But X and Y, Pokemon X and Y are fantastic, and they're, like, just right. Like, it's not too much content. I mean, if you're looking for a 3DS game, but if you're looking for a yeah. 2DS game or, like, an original DS game, uh, Pokemon Platinum, yeah. for sure, for sure. Um, also Sonic Rush and Super Princess Peach. Unironically, Super Princess Peach. Yes, yeah. Um, also, also any Mario and Luigi game you can find. Okay. As in Mario and Luigi the series. Oh, uh, what was Paper Mario out on? Was that the Wii U? Um, there was one on the Wii U. There's also one on Superstar on 3DS. Superstar. Yes, I, there's Sticker Star and Origami King, I believe. Well, tell me which one's best because I'm probably only going to pick one first. Like, nobody likes nobody likes Sticker Star. Um, nobody likes but... Sticker Star. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's the there's the um, Mario and Luigi games, though. Yeah. So, Bowser's Inside Story and the Superstar Saga. And Dream Team. Superstar, Super, Superstar Saga remake is actually way too much money right now, though. So. It's because it's so good. Yeah, I mean, I have it, so I'm just sitting there like, one of these oh, games. Oh, you shouldn't have said that. <laughs> All right, well, uh, then I knock, got knock. a bunch of <laughs> good recommendations for, uh, for the 3DS and 2DS. I appreciate that. Uh, Benson. Smart Alec and Chad is like, hey, Tegan, the 2DS is the 3DS without 3D. So, thank you. 
that's why that's why you're the smartest person I know is because of <laughs> things like that. I mean, that's that's literally it, though. Well, I got I got a lot of games. That means I, I've doubled the system to play. So anyway, thank you, everybody, <laughs> for the recommendations. I see everything in chat. I'm going to try to get that saved for the end of the stream. But I think that's going to be it for our uh, controller discussion. Uh, we have lots of uh, input here in chat. Really appreciate that. If you're listening from the future, uh, hit us up on our Discord, discord.gg slash show or uh, our Facebook or Twitter are good places to reach us. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Any any last thoughts uh, on that before before we move on? Oh, okay. uh, <laughs> no, not really. Uh, Nintendo rules off. Uh, uh, the, yeah. They are Although, very and like all of all of yeah. us had a Nintendo product as our as our answer. Yeah, I guess they, they uh, are extremely important. Although I will I will say that Benson's had a lot of good points in chat today, and got to put it out there. I never got to see it in real life, but the Steel Battalion controller for Xbox, man, that if I ever had that to play Steel Battalion in my life. That would have been my choice. Oh my gosh, it's a whole rig. It was like $200, $250 or something like that at the time that it released. It was the most expensive game ever for a long time. Uh, I mean, was, this is no different than like a plane simulator, though. But it was bigger. Like, the overall amount of stuff that you got as as a full setup was... Uh, but is, it, is Steel Battalion a racing game? Because there are three pedals on this thing. Is it a <laughs> flight simulator? What is this? No, you're in a mech. Bro. Yeah, I think you're in a mech. Yeah, a mech. <laughs> bro. Yeah. <laughs> this like to me, this pales a comparison to like the BattleTech experience where you get inside the actual egg and you're piloting the mech. Like, it's, <laughs> yeah, like true. that. That is a controller that I would love to put on this list. It's, of course, they're like eight thousand yeah. dollars now. Oh my no god. No doubt. Yeah. Uh, Chrome says it's a stick shift. Well, yeah, it looks like it's a stick shift. Uh, that's funny. Well, I'll get uh, here. Here's a link for everybody in chat uh, for what that looks like. There was like, like a. There's a self. Wow, that's a link. That's, right, that's so. like a thousand characters. So good. Luck. Oh, you're getting really good at these links. Too. Yeah, <laughs> I should probably look at URLs before I just put them in places. Uh, well, that's huge. I hope nobody's watching this on mobile. Uh, okay, but that's gonna be it for uh, our party topic. So uh, to wrap up the short uh, the show before we move on to the game, which will be uh, only up, which was um, mentioned on our Facebook group. I had never heard of this game, so I'm excited for it. Uh, the final things I would uh, say that we, we've talked about here is um, this weekend, we'll probably be playing a bunch more Exoprimal. Uh, you'll probably see the most people online for that tonight, but we've seen pickup games all throughout the week, so I'm sure we'll see more um, throughout the weekend. So if you're someone uh, who would like to do that, we have designated voice channels for the games that are most popular at any given moment. So even if you uh, don't tell anybody that you want to play, if you ever hop in those uh, channels, people will appear. I guarantee it. Uh, so Exoprimal this week, I'll probably be playing Seven Days to Die with uh, some of our community members. We'll see about that. And then uh, perhaps, don't hold this to me, but perhaps next week is when we finally play uh, Small Lands. So uh, that's a game that supports up to 10 people. And I think we have at least a couple slots open um, before we have to, you know, figure figure stuff out after that. So Small Lands um, on Steam, go grab it if you're interested. It's a survival game. Um, other than that, uh, that's going to be it for the vodcast portion of the show. I've been Tegan. Thanks for joining me as always, Vilos. That's me. And Sovereign Sid. And sometimes why? <laughs> and uh, we'll see you guys again very soon. Bye! <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess.